Greetings all and welcome back to another episode of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast, Harlem's very own, featuring as always your three ebullient co-hosts. Speaking first, it's Justin K. Winley, a.k.a. McNary Lewis, a.k.a. Daddy Longlegs, joined by a FaceTime call, <laughs> joined by my boy... Yo, what's up? It's Jude, a.k.a. the Steaming Bachelor, a.k.a. the Sauna Sultan, a.k.a. the Sauna Shogun, a.k.a. Citrus Stefanucci. Very wow. nice. Wow. And our third mic. Hey, oh. Hello, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> I got my glasses on right now. So, you know, it's your boy, um, in my case, Simmons, a.k.a. for right now with the glasses on. My name is um, Franklin Fimblewinter Faulkner, um, <laughs> a.k.a. the 25 years your girl is making me her sex slave. What? And um, I am the muffin top <laughs> muncher. Okay. Thank you. I'm bewildered every time. Uh, <laughs> I'm bewildered every time. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you have to, you have to cater to the thing we mean out here, okay? Dímelo, papi. I understand. You I understand, to, papi, uh, I understand you. Which is why I am a munch. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, you eat it for lunch. So eat it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. This is actually an interview. Uh, we do have a guest on with us today. We know we've been away for a while, but we're continuing our features series. Today's guest is an a, amazing person. Yes, an amazing person, a playwright in a production that I'm currently involved in. The AKAs I introduce myself by are my character name. Um, uh, they are originally from the West Coast, now shaking things up here in Harlem. Please welcome. Well, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ali Mims. Should should I do an AK? Absolutely, a please. Two, okay, okay. Uh, Ali Mims, aka the world's worst weeb. Ooh, um, come on, come on. AKA, no, no, that's all I got. There that's you go. There got. it is. What? Wine lover. Wine you, I mean, lover. You don't seem like a bad weeb. You've got a Dragon Ball Z shirt on right now. Yeah, it's like well, last time I watched Dragon Ball Z, I was like twelve. Oh, you know? Lord, you got to catch <laughs> up on memories. the movies. I have memories. I just keep rewatching the same animes over and over. I just can't. Stop. I got something to say about anime, respectfully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like I've gotten more peer pressure to watch anime than to do drugs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's um, probably It's more like, dangerous for your reputation yeah. as well. Definitely. <laughs> you Definitely. Know, and it's always so wild. She's like, yo, have you ever seen Go Go Ruru? sushi some shit like that <laughs> wow oh, wow I, I do know what you're talking about it's not what it's called <laughs> i don't watch that's the thing i watch like really shitty animes define shitty one. anime i mean they're not shit it depends on who you ask but i watch like Iran host club you know oh like, okay yes, i think i've heard of that one. Um, oh that and, one with the dating um, one where like the dudes yes dating they're like chicks. they're they're basically gigolos and the main character is a girl who dresses as a boy is nick cannon in it <laughs> oh my god. No, he's a he could getting be. He, maybe he was featured. Um <laughs> and like series inspired by <laughs> uh what's that other one? Kakagurai, which is the gambling anime. Mm. It's really fun. Ah, gotcha. you ever watched a Yu Yu Haku show? Mm, no, I haven't. It's too popular. Dude, look at my shirt, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, the spirit gun. I got oh my lord. Shouts out, shouts out to my old shorty who made me this when I was 18. Oh my shouts god. Shouts out to you. That's shout the best. So I uh Good yeah, girl, I, man. Good shout girl. Out, shout out to my big brother for, for putting me on to that show. That's a good big brother you have, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. have realized um, one of the things that has begun to change as I've gotten into my 20-somethings is that I, I've just had to accept I don't have the patience for most anime. And that's well, that's fine. why you got well, The anime I watch, it's one season, two seasons. Yeah. No, I mean, my, 20 episodes. I, also, tops. like, yeah. there was, there's like a generation that will watch. Like, my brother, 
who's like a true millennial, like 32 going on 33, is watching One Piece right now. I'm starting to watch. literally I'm, about I'm to start. Years old. I, I, I was in an, like two episodes of One Piece. I've never watched it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But before we do... Um, oh, I need to tell my, my friend about you. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was gonna, a very small a part. Casket. It was a very small part. Um, yeah, I mean, this episode isn't just about anime. We wanted to specifically bring Ali on because they are working on their thesis play, oh, Harlem yeah. and Moscow, yes. at Columbia University. So we will be discussing that and uh, opening up kind of what it is to even craft a thesis and what drew you to this specifically. But um, we all have you know questions for you. I just want to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself and talk a bit about your history with theater. Sure. Yeah. Well, like you said, I was raised in San Diego and started doing theater when I was just like a kid, just like Mm -hmm. as a part of school and stuff like that. Um, And then when I graduated, I I wanted to study theater. My mom was not not super into it. Um, (laughs) And I was like, "Mm, I'm going to go move in with my dad in Dallas, Texas. Mm. Um, And I did. And it was all right. Uh, But I ended up staying in Dallas for like nine years. Mm -hmm. And I got my undergrad there at Texas Women's University. Yeah, let's go pioneer women. Come on, come uh, on. <laughs> it was fun. It was okay. Uh, it, was really, it was a pretty small school, inexpensive, so it was it was great. They were the only ones who didn't ask for my parents' tax returns. I was like, I'm poor, uh, and they were like, We believe you. I was like, Sweet, we need you to follow this report. This this document, then this document, then this document. Yeah, right, like, right, on, right exactly. On, no, they're like, We need your dad's taxes. I'm like. <laughs> What Texas? <laughs> um, but uh, I stayed in Dallas for like five years after I graduated, and I did theater, a lot of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I got into anime. So I did okay. voiceover work for like a couple years, maybe three years, because um, nice. there was a big actually anime dubbing studio in Dallas, Funimation. Uh, they recently, oh, um, yeah, they were bought by Crunchyroll recently, so now it's Crunchyroll. But Ooh, it's in Dallas. Wow. Um, so that's how I got into that, just being in the theater scene there. And then the pandemic happened, I got laid off, and I got into Columbia like a week after I got laid off. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not doing anything for the next three years, so I guess I'll go to grad school. Um, And Columbia was sort of like a happy accident. I wasn't going to apply, and I had a mentor who went there, and she was like, you should just apply. You should apply. I'll I'll give you a recommendation and all Mm -hmm. that. And um, I'm glad I did. And then Harlem came along like I don't know like I I wasn't thinking about I didn't I didn't know that Columbia was like basically in heart Columbia was basically eating Harlem right yes. now um and, it yeah I had, I had no idea don't touch the fucking east side please yeah, yeah. they're coming they're coming no, no, like, no, the, park, the, the park is like a magical barrier I've decided <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is but I hope both the parks keep it on that side at least uh-huh. but so when i was looking for places, I was like, holy shit, Harlem is right next to Columbia? Like, I never knew that. I want to live in Harlem, yeah. which I've always seen as sort of like this, I don't know, like magical place, historical place, Correct. you know? Um, especially being... Cue the sirens. <laughs> <laughs> love it here. I love You're it in the, the city. Um, and I just happened to have a classmate who already lived here, and they had an open room, so I moved here, and now I'm in my third year. It's my thesis. Wow, mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. to you. Thank you so much. Yes. I uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about a venture that you started while you were still in Dallas, I believe, which mm-hmm. is Altered Shakespeare. Yes, um, yes, yeah, my so little baby. <laughs> I... Um, I did. I did a little bit of research, you know, <laughs> doing doing this interview thing. I was like, let me let me see what 
he's done. Uh, and I'm <laughs> <Hi>, Noriega. <laughs> Can you, first of all, before I even ask my question, explain what Altered Shakespeare is? Yeah, so there's like this kind of small tradition in Dallas and other places as well of like doing Shakespeare in the bar. Very mm-hmm. like low budget, four rehearsals, mm. no tech, you know. Um, really short cuts of the script, mm. you know, and just do it with like 10 of your friends. And so there was a number of companies in Dallas that did that and all of them were overwhelmingly white and basically cast the same five white men and two white women for every everything you know Um, it was very hard to break in because those kind of places don't really do auditions it's really just like a group of friends and so we you know eventually I had met enough disgruntled BIPOC and queer Shakespearean artists who were like you know kind of over it and we were like well you know they don't have a budget they don't have anything you know we could do this and mm-hmm. so we started a company around the same time as, as another company as well and I think that was like 2018 or 19 uh, and we did what did we do Two Gentlemen of Verona mm-hmm. which I've never done and it's not you know it's not one of the more popular ones it was super super fun um, and our goal was to just to cast more people of color and women and queer people and like look at some in my opinion more interesting casting choices sure. than maybe mm-hmm. the other companies were doing in my opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately our second show got shut down during the pandemic because it was supposed Shit. to open like March 2020 Wow. Um, and since then we've done a few staged readings but obviously I'm not in Dallas anymore and me and the one of the other founders like two, two out of five of us now we both got into grad school at the same time so we okay. both ended up leaving Dallas other obligations um, yeah, yeah exactly and so we were supporting from afar and they are <laughs> still they just did a reading not that long ago they've started partnering with this other like classic theater in town um and anytime they need a cast for a reading they've been reaching out to us which is really cool and honestly that's something i'd love to start in new york as well because y'all have drunk shakespeare here but it's not really the same like Mm. what i love about doing shakespeare in this format is like it's so low commitment you rehearse three or four times on like a sunday or a monday night and then you perform in a bar or a coffee shop or a park like wherever mm-hmm. you can find space and it's like really low stakes it's also we were also really committed to working with people who had never done shakespeare before because yeah. that's just a problem in general with classical acting is most of the time you won't get hired unless you have classical acting already on your resume sure. so mm-hmm. it's sort of you know catch 22 and so we loved being able to introduce actors and audiences to Shakespeare who might not be interested otherwise yeah yeah that's that's great um thank you for for kind of unwrapping that for Mm -hmm. me my my question then that springs from that is you know oftentimes with Wes he and I are now with this play we're on our fourth collaboration yeah um (laughs) and you know we've formed a a pod for ourselves and and you know there's people that he trusts and works with and And it's beautiful by the way it's great (laughs) (laughs) um but we talk often about the importance of or the the occasional necessity of having someone who can break into those more traditional faces like with and for you someone like mm. i mean to put it to put a button on it to have sometimes a white guy oh yeah or absolutely. a white lady on, on the team to be absolutely. like to be the shield in front of you and then come in behind them so I, yes. I wanted to ask you like what has been or what do you see as the role of allyship for mm. altered shakespeare oh, specifically? i love that cool. well i mean it's this is kind of this is gonna get a little personal and maybe a little unprofessional but the guy i was 
dating at the time was kind of our producer uh, and he was nice, he nice. we lovingly called him a white guy in a sports coat you know that that was his <laughs> role that was his official title he he like sometimes when we needed if you needed to talk to the venue if you needed to negotiate a price of something yeah it, he he got more he results he made it happen he how, got more results how do you, you know? feel about that on the, on the one hand it feels shitty absolutely yeah. and i i just felt like he didn't earn that (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it's just like the way he carries himself he's tall he wears fucking jackets everywhere like you know what i mean like smells like he has money whatever and it's like he just gets stuff done and people trust him men other other men let's be clear i'd say other men trust him more than talking to me or you know this little queer asian guy who's my other you know um you know it's just it's yeah all the other founders were all like people of color you know women femmes and it's like sometimes you need a white guy i mean i hate to say need a white guy in a sports jacket but sometimes you need a larry bird it's It's nice (laughs) and it's like that's how i see columbia as well just like as an institution Mm. is like helping me open doors and it's hard like i just feel i i'm really conflicted a lot i'm sure um others can speak to this too Uh. it's just like it's it's helping me open doors but yeah i'm so resentful that like you have to go to an institution that's deemed sure worthy in order to find success like it, i really feel like i like bought my way into another social class by going to columbia mm-hmm. like i have connections now that i never would have had or maybe it would have taken me you know 15 20 years to make and yeah. you know it's like a it's like getting a jump start and so sure obviously i thought it was worth it because i still came but it is it is it is tough sometimes to yeah feel like oh you're not really living up to like your politics and you know leaning on on sure i mean in that way i i I just wanted to ask because i think you know um when you're doing something so intimate and so kind of radical like that uh you do find that it's hard to kind of get people to pay attention to you there is also something to be said for obviously if you're able to just make a connection with someone irrespective of their you know, their gender mm-hmm. identity or their race or whatever, mm-hmm. and they believe in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's helpful not, too. Exactly. It's so, not like I was twisting his arm and no. forcing him to do it. Like he wanted to do it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he didn't want any creative control that was really important, you okay. know? Okay, like, so, so there you go. Yeah. You just need someone to literally be like, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, These are like, my friends. Yes, who wanted, he, yeah. he paid for our posters, you know what yeah. I mean? Like stuff like that, that I'm like, I would have paid for that out of pocket. Yeah. He was the producer. That was his yeah. job, you know? So... I mean, I yeah, I don't feel bad for taking this white man's money. You know? <laughs> Nor should you. <laughs> think, of it, think of yourself as like RZA from Wu Tang Clan. He linked up with Steve Rifkin at mm. Loud Records, and he got the entire clan. There you to, go. Yeah, you know, exactly. To record deals, and he got them deals in other um, record labels because he had creative control. Exactly. Like if someone opens the door for me, I can hold it open for other people. Is yeah. how I see it. You RZA. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ali, AKA RZA. <laughs> So you said that you lived in uh, San Diego, but in your little bio Justin provided for us, you said you lived in um, San Diego, Mm -hmm. Dallas, Mm -hmm. and now in New York. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, born in Michigan, right? Born in Michigan. I was born in Michigan. Right, you went all uh, four like main regions of the United yeah, States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just missing the but, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are the phases and changes that each area has put on you? Oh that, man. You know. Well, how did uh, each area like change you and made you who you oh, are? Oh, that's an interesting question. That's so interesting. Um, well, San Diego. I don't know. It's hard to judge San Diego because I was so young. We moved there when I was like three or something. Mm-hmm. And so 
that's just where I grew up. And honestly, I hated it there. I was like, <laughs> I was just like every other kid. Like, I hate my hometown. Can't wait to get out. And, except it was just in San Diego. <laughs> so it was beautiful. It was like 75 degrees and balmy as I was like, I hate it here. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how's your first uh, winter in New York, bro? <laughs> it was awful. No, the weather is probably the worst part of the city. I, I thought Dallas would have the worst weather. Um, cause it gets like, you know, it gets fucking hot there and there's it's hot it's as like, shit. I mean, it does. You can bake cookies so on the door. It's so hot. It's so, so hot. Um, and it also gets cold in Dallas as well. Um, mm-hmm. doesn't snow nearly as much, but it does usually snow like once a year maybe. Um, in North Dallas at least. But yeah, it's hard for me to judge San Diego. That's just where I was raised. I do think like a big part of my, like the culture I was raised in comes from there. Um, and being like on a border, uh, in a border county, I guess. I feel like that really influenced me and I felt like I lived in diverse places, but I have to say it wasn't until I got to New York that I was like, oh, like, no, I I wasn't. Like, my schools were not diverse, you know Mm. what I mean? Not that Columbia is, but like, you know, I had never lived in a neighborhood with this much diversity before, but I had always been in San Diego and Dallas and these like more conservative places. And so... I guess San Diego, yeah, I'd say like the culture. I still love like the music, the fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dallas, I don't know. I think of that as like my early professional years, I guess. It's like when I worked in an office for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I really, um, unfortunately, was really like trying to conform more. I mean, like to like white standards and like uh, like heterosexual standards and stuff. I mean, Dallas is just a more conservative place. And it's just, yeah. I really like felt the pressure to like look a certain way, dress a certain way. Um, and especially going to college and stuff. And it I grew up really fast you know I moved in with my dad and it wasn't like the best situation so Mm -hmm. I also think of that as like you know my mom was like helicopter parent like Mm. very tiger mom in a way no no like clingy like not tiger mom like coddles me you know babied me a lot I was her youngest kid she babied me a lot and I moved with my dad and he's like you're an adult um Mm. and so it was kind of rough there for a few years and I feel like I kind of went through like a second like I don't know, puberty or something. Mm -hmm, Um, And had to just grow up and start working and, you know, doing all the things uh, and be responsible for Mm -hmm. myself. And New York really feels like I'm getting to be creative for the first time and like open for the first time. Like I feel like I'm just now learning to like be myself. That sounds so cheesy. Oh my God, it sounds so cheesy. But it's true. Like just being around the diversity here, it's... I did not think about how it would change like how I make art because I didn't really process that I was like making art in white spaces for so long mm-hmm, and yeah. feeling as though I needed to write a certain way or act a certain way in order to like be successful. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that, that that is very interesting that you say that because New York is definitely the type of place to do that and especially mm-hmm. a place like Chicago too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I spent a couple of months in Chicago a couple of years ago and yeah, same thing. That was the first time I was like in a black neighborhood. Well, living in a black mm. neighborhood. Obviously, I've been in black neighborhood. If you, something if you gardens, green, something green, green something, something, something green. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Cabrini Green. No. <laughs> That's Candyman yeah. right there. <laughs> That's Candyman. No. My I don't, my I don't remember. Um, I was there. I moved my sister out there. Um, she lived there for a year or two. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, nice. Um, I loved everything that that you had just said. Um, just about Shakespeare itself. Um, you know, this might be a, uh, a 
cliche question that you might have gotten <laughs> but um with your with your love of shakespeare and like your love of acting i would say like who was the influence of um your acting journey and like what it took for you to get to the point where you feel like shakespeare is the, is the sort of the the uh point to unravel Mm-hmm. A, a bit more when it comes mm-hmm. to our generation since mm-hmm. you know it's been some time where you don't really see a lot of plays and a lot of people that are of the younger generation talking about Shakespeare so like mm-hmm. in a way it's just a way to inspire more mm-hmm. um, people that are the, the youth to know more about <laughs> Shakespeare but also yeah, seeing yeah. it in a, in a different light to where exactly, it's context. not just white people mm-hmm. seeing that it's just like oh it's just somebody like me that's also doing um, something that I have trouble understanding and i can yeah. get a better understanding as still looking at this well i think i was really lucky because i grew up in san diego and that's where the old globe is which is like they just do shake i mean they do other stuff too but they do mainly shakespeare and it's like a pretty well-known shakespeare company um in america mm-hmm. and one of my first plays i saw was romeo and juliet and this is just so more cliches but it it was really like there i remember like i must have been like eight or something but Mm. i remember there was one black guy or at least he he was the one who stuck out to me and i just thought he was so funny and everyone had told me oh you're gonna have trouble understanding shakespeare and i didn't really know the story of romeo and juliet at that point and i didn't have any trouble understanding it like no i could probably couldn't quote it but I knew exactly what was going on. I mean, that's also a credit to like the acting and the direction. But especially when this guy was speaking, I remember he had one monologue about you know taking the maiden heads of some girls or something, some sexual joke. And again, I'm eight. I don't understand, but I'm like laughing because just his actions, his like body. And I think when I started doing classical theater, I think it started as a way to. Ignore like race and gender roles on stage. I wasn't sure like where I fit, you know, on stage specifically. And when I did classic theater, I was able to play like male roles and stuff like that. And so it kind of felt like, oh, in classic theater, I don't have to think about these things and like conforming to these ideals that I was trying Mm -hmm. to in normal plays and contemporary plays. And so I, I hope like people seeing like my company, um, if we ever get back on stage one day. I hope that that helps that because I, yeah, I would never forgot that guy. I don't know his name. I don't know what role he was playing, mm-hmm. but I never forgot seeing him. And I remember my mom telling me like, you were on the edge of your seat watching this. I was like, it was so good. Wow. And, and like, also another thing, I'm tall. We were just talking about this. I'm 5'10". <laughs> and it, I had just gone my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I had just got my whole life being told I was too tall for certain things, and it was like, yeah, fuck them. It's so, it's so, I wasn't too tall for varsity basketball, but um, mm. it was just like, it was like in classic theater, it didn't matter as much. You could be like bigger and take up more space. Yeah. And so that's be really nice and grand. how it started, huh? Be grand. Exactly, exactly. Like it doesn't have to be, yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it, grand. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, when it comes to the character breakdowns, they're gonna need someone who is this stature, and mm-hmm. you know, like, if you need to be this certain height, but it's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. you, you, can really, you can play this part, and you can be this type of person yeah, without you even meaning. Yeah. Um. Do you know about the the um the classical theater of Harlem? Of course. Oh yeah, of I've heard about. Of course. Them. Yeah. I, oh my god. Yeah. Y'all have your, to go. The email and stuff like that. Yeah. They they, they just announced auditions, but they, they passed. Um, but yes, I'm for, looking. Oh yes. What mm-hmm. is that? 
Malvolio. Uh, yes. 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 Are you doing that? No, no, no. I, I was on. Uh, I, I couldn't make it. But oh, shit. Um, they filled up fast. They did. Mm-hmm. They, they, they posted it two days ago before the yes. deadline. I was like, I said, damn, that's a little fucked up. Like, y'all, y'all did this two days <laughs> yes, before. Yes, and then I, by the time I clicked on it, they were like full. I was like, damn. <laughs> like, come yeah. on, bro. So, but they're, um, yeah, they're awesome. They just, they're they're about to have something transferred to Broadway at 12th night. Their 12th oh, night is going to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. That's gonna Congratulations. Be it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Good. It's an awesome production. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's like, I, I'm, I'm glad that, um, Shakespeare is, I mean, given like the person of who he is, but like this, the certain language um, mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's very, you, 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 you can't bury that and <laughs> just say like, okay, oh, well, this guy created a, a whole lexicon about a certain language that he mm-hmm. has written o- over time and, you know, it has changed the game, but fuck this guy. Okay. Yeah. No, but you I mean, got, you guys, you got to find a way to, to, to keep it relevant. I, yeah. I, I, I think it would be. I mean, we're three out of the four of us are actors at this table. Jude, you, you were on an episode of Blue, Bud- <laughs> Blue Bloods. Once. I was on an episode <laughs> of Blue Bloods. Yeah. But, That's but, so funny. Um, I was in a wheelchair buying drugs. What? <laughs> yeah, yo. I need to no. find this episode. I, I couldn't need. find it. <laughs> I'll find it. What's I'll funny find was, it. Oh, yeah. I, I wore like a sweater and, and like jeans and, and this and the wardrobe dude this gay guy he was like you look too preppy i'm like nigga what he was like you look like a twink <laughs> <laughs> you ain't buying drugs in the wheelchair yo. you look like no crackhead yo the reason i say that though is that i'm, I'm acknowledging that there might be a bit of bias in, in discussing shakespeare and his importance yeah. to mm-hmm. culture but i i think that it you know whatever work can be done to keep what he did relevant and mm-hmm. to find and people have been spinning it for for years yeah. you have to right. what part of it should stay relevant and what part of it should not be relevant oh i think it needs to be for the people you know it needs to be accessible mm. i wish all shakespeare was free because it's free to do it you don't have to pay rights for it yeah. obviously you have to you want to pay your actors yeah, public domain like mm-hmm. yes yes it's in the public yeah, the domain been dead for millennia yes yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for generations uh, <laughs> uh so that's my big thing and that's what I feel like doing that low budget Shakespeare is for because it's like yeah we charge we charge like 10 bucks and like all of it just gets split among whoever worked on that production and it's like it just feels much more egalitarian than these bigger companies you know I don't know how classic theater of Harlem does it but you know (laughs) they have a bigger budget than us I'm assuming Um, but I think that's a big one for me is it's it's for the people and the people should be able to understand it yeah yeah and I also I mean this wasn't for I don't know if that was for me or for the table or anything. It was, it was for everybody. Oh, okay. I was I was just gonna say the three that, uh, thespians, like Yeah. I think you know, like the best Shakespeare and I haven't I mean, I haven't really read that much or even seen that much, but the ones right. that I really like are the ones that I feel like are like he captured something that seems sort of uh immortal about humanity and, mm-hmm. and, and about like you know the way we struggle for power or for you know pride mm-hmm. or to be seen love like, yeah or love. love like they're human stories mm-hmm. at the end of the day so yeah. and it's also like a time capsule like you know Absolutely. to 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 be mm-hmm. able to watch the like we obviously now we because we don't talk the way that people spoke back then it, it feels like foreign to us but right. it they part of that's part of the historical preservation of it to be like mm-hmm. this is this is how people used to communicate. Like mm-hmm. one day people will listen to HBO and be like, they used to say nigga all the time. Right. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> and, um, wait, um, God, I just had a question in my head about this. Fuck. Uh, go, uh, go ahead. I'm answer the same thing about 
Oh, uh, Shakespeare. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I remember um, the first time I was introduced to Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and it was just, um, it, it was, it was definitely weird for me, you know, mm-hmm. given the the um, the uh, language. That was the first thing that I had noticed, and I was just like, "Why are they saying? I was like, what, 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 what are they saying? Doth and that's <laughs> and thou. thou and, you know, it, it's it. It was just." It, I was I was weird out, but I was also interested at the same time as to what they were talking about. Mm-hmm, but then, mm-hmm. um, after after some time, I just come to realize that, uh, and this was, in, was my freshman year of college, and my <laughs> my 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 professor for theater, he was he had the lexicon. A Shakespeare yeah. lesson. Every every class he brought it with him. Yes. Like he was devoted, mm-hmm. and he was like, "You guys take this man's language and his work for granted, and I'm not going to stand here and let you guys do that for uh, to mm-hmm. him because for something like this to 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 be cre- to be created and also given to us, like." You, you 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 can't you can't you cannot like throw this away mm-hmm. like this is this mm-hmm. is um this is this is what this is like a uh sort of like a pioneer or like a shift when when theater came about mm-hmm. and so um why would you want to throw this away and not um learn more about it and put it in more plays and I'm, he didn't say this shit but like for, for me <laughs> yeah. saying this i'm like i'm like yeah why aren't we putting out more plays for this and and, and having folks that look like us um mm-hmm. on that stage playing those characters but of course they always those like i said before those character breakdowns like we're gonna need this person mm-hmm. who is who is white blonde hair mm-hmm. has blue eyes and we're gonna need them to be this type of way but what if that person is the exact opposite but they are telling the exact same story and mm-hmm. somebody else can be like wow i remember going through that shit or like oh yeah that's some funny shit and so <laughs> um like yeah. and, and now you know i'm i'm like i'm i'm glad that there's more shakespeare in the park and so mm-hmm. um what i what i want for you know your um for your company is to uh, put your shit on uh shakespeare in the park like that would yeah. be amazing i love that you know, yeah. it's, it's it's one of those things that like it almost feels like a like a superpower when like you un- when you get it like shakespeare you know yeah i, mean? I remember because i there was a period where i was also studying i as an english class i was reading julius caesar we read julius caesar and macbeth mm. in the same year mm. Ow, and, two intense ones yeah <laughs> right and i was reading macbeth and I think it was the same time that House of Cards had just started on Netflix, and I was like, oh so my yes, God. oh my God, was, House of Cards is so Shakespearean. I was like, this is the same thing, and it yes. just became so clear to me. But I, you know, it's interesting because um, recently there was a conversation I was having with uh, with producer Wes in the background there uh, about uh, <laughs> this, this Twitter thread. Is someone screaming in the street? That's a dog. It's a dog. Oh, it's a dog. Yeah. Okay. It's one of DMX's dogs. <laughs> Rest in peace. Army um, to the God, man. We this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we were I'm sorry. Stop. Co- <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Drop. He's mourning about him. You know what I mean? It's been some time since he's been gone. Yeah, yeah. What these bitches want from a nigga? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so, uh, there was a Twitter thread that was going around about this interaction between a film professor and a student, and the film professor had asked the student to uh, respond to or analyze uh, Casablanca, I think, mm-hmm. and the student was like, "I, I can't respond. To, like, there's nothing in this that interests me." And the film professor was like, "Well, then maybe you need to find a different major." And so Damn. we were having this conversation as to like, what are the parameters for mm-hmm. being able to participate in an art? And I think that like, 
that could be its own podcast, but a lot of people probably have that conversation about Shakespeare, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you need to do Shakespeare to be yeah. a real actor? Do you need to direct yeah. Shakespeare? To, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's, I guess, just to put a button on that part of the conversation, it is great to see that you are finding a way to keep it um, fresh uh, uh, for yourself and, and for a, a new generation, just a new era of, of mm-hmm. folks everywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to pivot now to um, your thesis, Harlem and Moscow. Oh, uh, yeah. And to give the listening audience a little bit of a, a, a log line, this is a, what would you call it, like a historically fictive kind of sort of play, historically based play. Yeah. Historic, uh, yeah. His- I'd call it a satire. Historical satire, okay, cool. we'll put it like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, uh, I like that. Yeah, based on true events that occurred uh, when a group of black artists and uh, educators traveled to the Soviet Union in June of 1932, led by Langston Hughes and Louise Thompson, to make a communist propaganda film about mm-hmm. black American life. The film never got made. Uh, but mm-hmm. Ali did make this play. <laughs> so... <laughs> And now the they next are, best thing. yeah, <laughs> yes, and they're and they're uh, getting ready to debut it. Actually, um, well, by the time this releases, uh, this weekend. So, um, Ali, talk a little bit about what I mean. You you mentioned in your bio that you are drawn to twentieth uh, century, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, history mm-hmm. for your storytelling. And when I was looking through your website, I saw that you know uh, there there was one that you had a uh, Lorraine Hansberry. I think you wrote. Oh like yeah, a I short, wrote the essay. Yeah, yeah a short essay yeah, like in a, her voice. Yeah, it was an essay. Yeah, um, I guess so. And so, what drew you to Harlem and Moscow, and and mm-hmm. maybe by extension, what is it about that period of history that fascinates you so much? Mm-hmm. I think what fascinates me about it is it's like the generation before the civil rights that we think of. We think of you sure. know, the civil rights, nineteen sixty four. You know, yeah. yeah. And this is really like. The 1930s are like it's like the precursor to that. You know, mm-hmm. it's another move. There's a there is a push for civil rights in it's the 1930s. Prologue. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So there's all these labor movements happening, and so it really started. I was like working my way backwards. I read um, Black Against Empire, which is like the Black Panther um, like Bible essentially, mm-hmm. and I was like there was like a whole chapter on Marxism, and mm. I what's it called again? Where's the pen, uh, Black Against Empire. Gimme. I need, I need, I need reads. I need reads. It's so good. It's so good. That's where it started. I just started reading that during the pandemic and it started going into like black Marxism. And I was like, I've literally never heard of this. I didn't know. Like for me, like Marxism, communism was like a white thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I I was in a That's that white people shit. Yeah. I was, I was in a college town and you know, occasionally white people called each other comrade and I kind of like rolled my eyes at it, you know, and they like sort of idealized the Soviet union and I didn't understand it. Um, and so to find out there was black folks doing this again, I was like, Oh, like this is something that, you know, affects all of us. And so started sort of working my way backwards from there and that's when I started learning that's when I took this class actually about just about this trip um it was Dr. Jennifer Wilson I don't know yes Dr. Jennifer Wilson shout out to you yes shout out um (laughs) she's incredible and so smart and basically like the expert on this trip specifically and again like 1930s like black um internationalist international activists I guess Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just about this trip and also it gave a little background again about like black communism and um, sort of the generation right before them and the generation right after them and I don't know it was just so unbelievable to me that this 
event that was like front page news for so long is just like gone from history. Like when I first started pitching the show, people thought it was like fictional. Yeah. They were like, oh, so you've thought of this fun like scenario <laughs> yeah. and like thrown links in Hugh and the, how ridiculous. And I'm like, no, this, this happened. Like he went there. A lot of people went there, you know, um, Audre Lorde went there, you know, like, so I think that's the thing that fascinated me the most is like that cross section of like black history, queer history and communist history. Yeah. And I really just dove in and there's just so much like there's so little, like, you know, your, your character is so invented, like mm -hmm. it, definitely based on real people, but you know, McNary Lewis himself I know so little about. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm having to go through like hundreds of pages of just like receipts and letters and telegrams trying to find like one piece of information that I can use. And so. Did it, they have any living relatives? Did um, you ever try to track any of them down? No. Or? Well, it's interesting. There, there is a documentary about the black living relatives in Moscow because after this trip, one person on the trip stayed behind and lived in Russia for the rest of his life. Oh. Um, mm. And he had kids and his... I don't know if it's his, it must be his grandson. His grandson is still alive and he's like Some a Slavic jazz babies. singer. He's like a jazz <laughs> singer in Russia. And so there, there is that, but I don't know about like Louise Thompson. Langston Hughes had no children, um, yeah. but lived a Louise long Thompson life, had kids. Yeah. Um, Dorothy West had kids. Dorothy West definitely has relatives because mm -hmm. um, they take care of her estate and stuff. Um, I've never, yeah, I never thought about that. Um, Do you think, my I mean, I, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I, I know that, or I have some idea that like with film, there's like the whole thing about life rights where if you're gonna make a biopic about someone, yeah. you have to secure that. Do you think, is does that exist with theater? Yes. You have, okay, so maybe that would complicate it anyway if you did reach yes, out. Yes, I mean, that's why I was nervous. Langston Hughes' estate is notoriously um, strict mm. when it comes to how he was depicted. Mm. Um, and so I had to be very careful some some writers have the prerogative of you should just reach out and ask or let them know, hey, I'm writing a play about Langston Hughes, just so you know, and then, you know, leave it in their court. I don't know. I was nervous to do that, so I just didn't do it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, yeah. And it's, it's a lot of it comes from, like, I can't, I think the problem that they have specifically is, like, you can't take a Langston Hughes poem or essay yeah. and say, because of this, we know he's gay, essentially. That's, okay. like, their big thing is, mm. like he's not gay he's not queer blah, blah 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 and so i was nervous about this and like for a long time the queerness like wasn't even in there at all like mcnary had a few like throwaway lines mm -hmm. but i mean it could have been anything it could have been him you know just making fun of him it, yeah. there was no like definite anything and you know that's a big challenge when writing about langston hughes because he was so ambiguous and yeah. i don't think the play needs to answer you know one way or the yeah, other yeah and i don't have an opinion i'm not like a die hard he was gay he was closeted like i don't know you know what I, mean? I just think there was so much yeah. gray area he's not j edgar hoover you know yeah exactly exactly he's not j edgar hoover god damn uh, although i'd love to <laughs> write, write something about him as well oh my god i hate that guy so much i would love i would love uh, for you to roast fucking him. pieces <laughs> the worst um you know uh but yes it is it, I'm, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous. Sure. Um, but I think because I don't use any Langston Hughes, like I'm mostly working from like Louise Thompson and Dorothy mm -hmm. West's archive, and they're just not as big of a public figure anymore. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, there was a recent development in the case of Malcolm X's assassination. Like mm. a development. Where they, uh, I think, well, first of all, two years ago, they acquitted the people that were wrongly uh, mm -hmm. convicted. Yeah, because yeah, didn't the FBI do this? 
as well? Well, I mean, <laughs> now we're saying the choir part out loud. Yeah. But, um, uh, it did everything. Yeah. It's uh, on a list. But my dad was just, you know, reminding me, or, or really, I think, telling me for the first time that, because my dad is a retired parole officer, mm. uh, at, he was actually tasked with reaching out to Malcolm X's daughters wow. um, to get their comment on how they felt about the guys. It was actually when they were first up for parole. I wow. think or one of the first murderers or something oh, like that. Okay. What was this? And like... It was the early 2000s at the yeah. at least. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a while ago. And he couldn't get in contact with either of them. But that just mm. made me think of like, you know, that oftentimes we look at these things as having happened so long ago and we forget that some of these people had families. Some of them had, mm-hmm. like there are people still it's alive who might know away. them. Yeah. yeah, it's not that far away. I ran into a woman on the street the other day who was looking at my building and she's like, oh, I used to live in Harlem like 20 years ago. Mm. And... We just started chatting and I told her about this project and she was like my, I think it was her great uncle and this woman was older, you know, she was probably in her 70s or something and she's like my great uncle has a letter from Langston Hughes from, because he visited, I don't even remember, like a South American country and Mm. Langston Hughes was there or something? (laughs) I don't know. Um, Invite this lady to the show. maybe it was it, right, right, no, she gave me her number. I was like, holy shit, this is like one generation away, you know? He, he would have been older, you know, than my grandparents, but almost the same generation, you yeah. know, maybe half a generation older. 1901. And it's just wild. Yeah, 1901. He was born. Um, well, I I have more questions, but I, I, I know I sent the script to you guys, or at least I know you know about it. That was like it. 90 pages, bro. I, well, I wouldn't expect <laughs> you to read the whole thing, but I just... I would have, I'm bro. Giving you, I read the whole shit. <laughs> I'm giving you space to ask any questions you might have about the plays <laughs> before I just keep... I don't want to just keep... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued as to what I've been hearing this whole time. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess like the question about the play is like, what made you want to um, go ahead with these certain races of your play, and also with the certain character names that are in here too? Like, was there a certain influence there for people that you've like talked with, or was it just like off the top of the dome? You're for the like, characters' names, mm-hmm. and also how long did it take you? What, what was the process of mm-hmm. making the script over time? Um, I started the script in fall of 2021, mm-hmm. um, and it started as just like a 10 page scene uh it was a it was a my final project for this class i was like instead of an essay can i write a little play and she was like of course Um, yeah and and so i wrote a play based on uh the scene where henry lee confronts um the soviet officer so that was the first scene i wrote um and all the names are real they're all from history um Mm. and some of them are like combined people mcnary lewis is mcnary lewis but he's also dorothy west and like henry lee moon is henry lee moon but he's also ted poston you know so there are some people carl jung hans is also sergey eisenstein who's like Mm -hmm. a russian director at the time um so a lot of them have been combined you know there's 22 people on this trip and they met a bunch of people while they were there too and so a lot of it has been cut down um and then I knew I wanted to play with like racial performance on stage. And I knew I wanted to maybe push the line a little with the satire. And I, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna feel comfortable if there are white actors in this in these roles. Um, Cause they were, they were doing some racist things, you know, they're saying some pretty inflammatory things on stage. And so I had always, we had always talked about possibly casting someone who was, um, not white, um, even not not black. We talked about casting someone who was like Puerto Rican at one point for some of these roles. Um, 
But after we did the first reading, I was like, I think, you know, and Wes also said the same thing. I'm like, I think it needs to be an all black cast. I think that's the only way that, I don't, like I'm like I hesitate to say the word safe, but it's like it just it just for me I don't know how it's been for y'all, but like it's just to me is easier and I don't know there's just like a, a different level of understanding when it's an all black cast. Whereas you don't like, have like an actual white person saying yeah, Negro. and like <laughs> I, I feel like every time I've worked with a white person who had to play someone who was racist. It's like either they're apologizing the whole time or they're like a little too they're good too at into it. it. Yeah, right, and right. you're like, hmm. We'll say that on a regular. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so you look, you, you you look like, in the yeah, mirror when like, you say you that. Even, like, you, you're just saying mirror. it hard on immediately. Like, Morning, it's, nigga. It's just, it's, uh, so it was like when we read it in class, you know, the, the girl who read it was not, you know, trying to be racist but it was still so uncomfortable she was white when we read it the, for the first time and i was like this is awful we cannot I, cast a white person this, as this this makes me think of uh that that story that will smith has been telling as though it's some like it's some uh gem of like method acting that when he was doing emancipation his white co-star oh, yeah. improv improvised spitting on him i was like you can't no. That's a little deep, oh, bro. You can't even That's do that when you're not playing a slave owner, by the way. Exactly, I don't think like a normal, I would not <laughs> accept that in any circumstance. Especially OD. not like, oh, sorry, bro, I was in the moment and I decided to spit oh, on you, Will absolutely Smith. Absolutely not. One of yeah. the most recognizable black actors absolutely of our time. Actors, nigga, like, like, actors, period. Though, yeah. the story. He, was, he was basically saying that this man did it and he was like, all right, we're going to do multiple takes of that. And he spat on him. He only did that because of Jay same spot for the for every single take. Yeah, this is the executive producer of the film. Yeah, oh you're my fired. God. Yeah. <laughs> to me, and, you're fired. And, and like and and like like you said, this man did not speak to Will Smith throughout the entire yeah. time. Will Smith was like, yeah, he was so in it. It's the guy who plays the main racist guy who's like hunting yeah. him the whole movie. I, I, ben Foster, who's a, good, so, yeah. a, a great actor, but it's like weird. Weird so, no, it's a little, a little too comfy. Once, yeah. once, little once too they comfy. said, "All right, that's a wrap," he said, "How you doing, Ben Foster? Nice yeah. to meet you." <laughs> I hate. White I was men. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> yo, this, this, this nigga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my see, god. No, no, nah, oh, nah, this hairline yeah. is egregious. That this is, is a, a racist. This is a guy who would want to play Colonel Cooper. Yeah. Honestly, exactly. he looks like he plays Colonel Sanders. Right. <laughs> I remember him from a. Uh, a movie about these white kids who were drug addicts and he played a neo-Nazi. He plays too many racists. Uh-oh. Uh, mm. Alpha Uh-oh. Dog. He, it was about some uh, white kid yeah, who uh, yeah. got kidnapped by some wannabe drug dealers. The nigga had a swastika on his chest in this movie. <laughs> and he was Jewish too. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, I could relate. <laughs> so, yeah, no, like, but Will Smith, he was like encouraging that. He was like, that's that's like, what's that's this what role? It's, it's about, you know, me thinking back, I'm in this time where I, I, I'm not unable to do anything you know i'm held against my will i'm like nigga if a person spit on me they getting fucked up okay yeah, right? i'm sorry how do i feel about that like this whole method acting shit oh i hate it it's awful it's not and it's not necessary yeah. it's not it's never necessary i think first of all there's like you know there's obviously like different methods but the method capital m that people are thinking about is like the stay in character 24 7 daniel day lewis joaquin phoenix type of thing right jim Kardos. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think like hey daniel day lewis 
Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> like, was intended like, to be a, hand, a mentally handicapped person and physically handicapped and physically yeah, handicapped. My left foot, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, it's uh, he. It, there is a certain level of derangement that comes with, I think, the profession, maybe in general, yeah. but also yeah, with that absolutely. level, with that that <laughs> level of it. My thing is, I I I try not to underestimate my imagination, and I don't think anyone yeah. else. Yeah, I feel like you have to remember that at the end of the day. You're just telling a story, mm-hmm. and like you should be able to shake that story off. Yes, exactly. Go home. Like, it's the same that. thing with like anybody who has any kind of like intense job. Yeah, you don't even have to be a cop, firefighter, anything where you're like you're Doctor, like yeah. fight or flight a lot. You know, you have to be able. There has to be something where you're like, and now I'm here, and yeah, it's done. It's a ritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't know if I've said this on air before. I think I've said it to you guys individually, but my friend Amir Royale shout out to you Amir friend of the show often talks about like the health of actors in that we often prioritize the warm up but there's never really an emphasis Mm. on cooling down right that's an athletic thing too yeah yeah it is right you're right so if you're just like you know and even in one of our uh over at the Media Morgue, shout out the the Media Morgue. We've got some interviews. So many shout uh, out. Yes, we've got some <laughs> me- interviews coming up with Columbia University filmmakers. That's interesting. We were talking to one who made a film, in short, about a woman who was experiencing um, some post traumatic uh, kind of flashbacks of a, of a, of an attack that she endured. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about. She read this book called uh, "Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers" or something like that. Which is apparently there's like a there's a there's a nature fact that after a zebra, if a zebra escapes from a predator, it shakes its body to rid itself of the adrenaline. Yes, I've seen mm. these, this video. But human beings, Zoologist don't have, <laughs> human beings don't have that instinct, so we can mm-hmm. carry a lot of like stuff in ourselves mm-hmm. that we don't even know about, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and then we're paying, yeah, and then we're paying, you know, one fifty an hour for a therapist to tell us like, hey. You're I'm not going to charge that much. I'm not charge that much. How does that make you feel? A honey, a honey, probably. Therapy dupe. Therapy dupe. Yeah. Having a podcast. <laughs> Acting. Acting. Making movies. Therapy dupe. Um, but yeah, so I think, I mean, that's for me, like, I I try to do as much as I can in the research, in the in the brain, in like creating even a different physical physicality for the character so that when I stop doing that movement or whatever, then I know that I'm not that guy. You're not them anymore. anymore. Yeah. Method act, it, it can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be dangerous yes. to your, like, yes, your mental, but also the people around yeah, your you. Your co-stars. Like, like, Jared Leto and shit. This was, this was, yes. This was, this was, uh, when Jim Carrey played a, he, 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 um, this was a biopic a of, no, no, oh. no, this was of a comedian and this was, he, he did some stuff on SNL, I, I believe, that man's name. but I know it's some, something Kaufman, Andy Kaufman, and the whole time I, I watched the documentary, I was like very, I was like moved by it, but also I said, I know I can never do that shit. Mm. Like this man, as soon as he stepped on set, this man transformed into andy Mm, mm -hmm. literally had his parents come on set had no andy's parents yes andy's parents come on set and they saw jim and literally 
they forgot that was Jim Carrey. They said wow. that was that is literally Andy that oh we're talking to. Oh my god, to. that's a little creepy. It's very creepy. Cool. They said, "Oh my god, what if you?" They're like, "Oh my god, son." They t- they had conversations no, with oh, said this Andy. Is, the this woman that gave weird. birth to the man was at the, at the set. <laughs> that's so. Yes. that's a little. Yes. she put and, him out of her uterus. <laughs> yes, man. literally had arguments with him and all of that shit. And like all his co-stars Whoa. were like, "Yo, bro, turn that shit off." Like, bro, that shit is getting creepy. Yeah, like the lot. director, the the crewman. Like, what are you doing? Him back to earth you still in love <laughs> yeah and then afterwards in the last scene the last scene that was done he was like all right down to go it's like it's just wow you know I, I i mean i think there's a line right like there's a difference between you know john bernthal when he when he talked about like playing the punisher when he's like i you know uh, sometimes i like i have to be in a room by myself like i can't hang out with my kids when i'm yeah. trying to play the punisher you know mm-hmm. like yeah. i have to just to get into the the mode but there's a difference between that and like why would you bring the man's parent? Yeah. I mean, I guess right, you want their right. blessing for the performance, but they don't need to be on no, set to watch you embody this person. Dead son. Like it's a weird yeah. sort of like seance. They're like, yes. he That's was creepy, dude. We're like, taking the craft he really too far. Was Andy? Like we really saw Andy? Like oh my god! Oh, no, it's like, bro, you are you are not grieving right. You're, You're not, not grieving right yeah, about this man. No, you need to get off. Far. It was it was it was. It was very, very creepy. It was yeah. very creepy. Well, I, I, I think it's interesting just to loop back around to your play. Like, it, this wasn't one of my prepared questions, but it, it makes me think when you are playing in a in a kind of gray area between history and 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 imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I guess my question is, how do you give yourself the liberty to invent the like, not just mm-hmm. like. To, to invent the personality, to invent mm-hmm. the character traits, you know, how do you find comfort with that? Well, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> like, mm. it can be very uncomfortable because these were real people. Like you said, not that long ago. they This happened less than 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And they were real people who had real lives, and I just get, like, 300 pages of their life, and I have to invent everything else um you know and some of them like you said you know Langston Hughes Louise Thompson obviously people have written a lot about these people but yeah no one's writing it's like if it's not written down it doesn't exist um and so that was definitely a struggle with the script at first was that you know people were like well you don't really show this side you don't show that side I'm like well because I can't find any evidence of it you know um and it really took reading it in class and my professor was like, um, yes, yes, more wine, please. Um, <laughs> my professor was like, you know, you keep saying that um, Langston Hughes, we're going to see like some gayness or something and that it's also about queer history, but I just don't see that. And I was just nervous to put it in there. One, because of the estate, like we talked about. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I had already heard they were stricter than most. But two, because I'm like, what if, like, like real talk, like, what if the man's dying wish is just don't let anyone know I was a fairy? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, just don't, don't, I don't want anyone to call me a twink 90 years from now on a podcast. Like, you know, I really feel like, so there, it, it is a line. Like, I feel like I'm crossing a line mm. and I feel like hopefully I'm doing it for good. I don't think I'm abusing it, but it's it's hard and it took it definitely took some like cajoling from other people and also y'all having the actors has been so helpful for that the questions that y'all asked like your motivation y'all were like so instrumental in shaping these characters like some of them maybe had some stuff already but y'all filled it out really and i mean sometimes you ask a question and i'm like 
I don't know. I got to go home and write that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have an answer for that. I didn't even think about it that way. But it's been to see like the transformation of like the first draft to now. Um, a lot of it is, you know, credit to you, to, to Wes and my dramaturg, um, Alexis Williams as well. Um, shout but out to like, the dramaturg. You know, mm-hmm. you know, shout out. We love our dramaturgs. Um, that you know just asking questions yeah why do i say this line here why do i why don't Mm. i ever have a moment where i say blah blah, xyz you know that's been so helpful and y'all have just filled in like just having that person on stage you know having basil Mm. who is uh, you know an ambiguous figure himself get up there and play it luckily that does some of the work for me you know he's queering it without me having to like put on the page i'm links and news and i'm gay like he's queering it in a way that is will is always present even if like we're not plainly stating you know yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. and i i think you've worked with basil a few times on, mm-hmm. on a few different projects yes he was yeah. also in my second year project which yeah. was like an audio play about it was autobiographical it's about my time in dallas actually with my oh, dad wow. so he played my dad my, the dad character uh. um and it was about it's about it's about meth addiction um mm. and it's about like um this father daughter and they you know it's sort of a typical living room play but it's um they're you know very poor this um biracial kid with her dad living with her single dad um and her boyfriend has gone missing essentially Mm. uh, the day before they were supposed to like move out Mm. and so they're spending the play trying to find him because they have to pay rent and like you know he pays a third of the rent and now he's not there and they can't afford to live there anymore and so it's about them he's been missing for three days but they've also not been able to re-up in three days and so they're desperate for one thing or another um and yeah he's he's incredible i mean he's an amazing speaking voice and so just it was just four actors at mics and like a sound effects fully person it was really really cool um and he is another one that yeah he just took bill the character to the next level you know when i first started writing it it just kind of felt like "Mm, this is like kind of my dad but not really and then he made it something different like he's he's not my dad but it's you know he made it its own unique thing you're not my dad yeah Yeah. you're not my real dad (laughs) but you're a good actor though dad adjacent Um, yes yes um jude do you have another one um so briefly you spoke about uh your uh, dip into anime voiceover work mm-hmm. and I was wondering what you thought about anime being the juggernaut it is in American culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how 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 is it special to people why is mm-hmm. it special to um, mainly like our generation and younger kids mm-hmm. and uh, from your perspective as a consumer but mm-hmm. also an actor you know why anime is such a big deal um, I don't know I wish I could answer because maybe <laughs> I'd have like a better answer to like why <laughs> other things aren't as popular um, but I don't know. I, I I find it really fun and imaginative, and mm-hmm. it can also be very like heartwarming. And you know, you get stuff like Studio Ghibli and stuff like that that it's like so profound. And then yeah, I love love me some Uran Host Club, which is just mm-hmm. like a gay romp, you know, with yeah. some rich kids. Um, I will say, like speaking to like what a huge phenomenon it is. I think first of all, uh, voice actors and people who make that stuff need to be paid more. A lot more, you know, yeah, a lot do. more. Damn straight. Um, and because they just so much money in that industry, and you know, I, at least in Dallas, you get paid thirty five dollars an hour, and you know, you don't get any residuals, even if it's a movie or anything like that. And so, wow. 
it's it's really sad um i don't know why it's so popular i i love it though i i it's just so fun i don't know yeah. has i don't it, know has it influenced the way you write oh my gosh that's such a good question i don't know i've never thought about it mm. i do think you know what the, you know what anime does really well that i really love is like queer coding because they're mm-hmm. that's another like mm. form of media they where they don't OD. necessarily name it Frieza. you know but yeah exactly no. <laughs> come on sell. bro sell. Come on. Oh, <laughs> sell is woo. oh yeah sell sell. Is Cell is an evil. Cell is an evilest he, gay man ever. He is. He is. <laughs> oh, uh, Nappa. No. Nappa. Nappa. Nappa's like uh, the booty warrior. No, <laughs> Raccoon. No, I think nigga. you're thinking of the uh, the the whole Ginyu Force. Raccoon. Goddamn it. Yes, Raccoon yes. was crazy. Woo, hitting that cross leg. Goddamn it. <laughs> Yo, that cross leg is serious. That and then is who is it? Serious. I think it's Ginyu, the, the the main nigga. He's looking between his legs. He's like, <laughs> it's like you know. Yeah. Come on now, no, you're you're <laughs> definitely onto something with that. Yes, yeah, yes. So that, that's something I you really onto some shit. Wait a minute. No, how, it's like so true. I think it's part we of how people find themselves. Frieza, in. Well, it's Come like on. one of those things you watch it as a kid and you're like, oh, this is funny, and then you watch it as an adult and you're like, like damn, yeah, like, wait a minute. Ball, like, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> not even not even Frieza Zarbon. So, what's yo, Zarbon was serious with the green braided hair who beat up Vegeta. He turned yes, into a big he was, toe. He, it was him yeah, and Deborah. It was him. Skin. I'm not sorry, Dodoria. It was it was it was um Zarbon and Dodoria because because it was oh two my of God, two yo, of Frieza's yo. henchmen. Oh yes, yeah. He's oh my like, God, he's, he's like got a, like a douchey. He's got like the look at look at Zarbon and look at Dodora. If you look at Dodoria, you, you will see that shit too. Yeah. Like oh my all, all of them are like wearing lipstick. Basically. All of them are zesty. And, and Bobbity, I say Bobbity too. Bobbity, they all are like wearing those little, little underwear. Game. You know what I mean? They all got their thighs out. You, you know, like at all they're times. All out here the Batman thong, <laughs> yo, like the fourteen-inch inseam. Yes, the Nike exactly. woven shorts. Why are you oh, worried about my Gymshark shorts right now, my bro? Don't forget about Weez, goddammit. Don't forget about Weez. Weez, yes, bro. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. This totally, is this totally. so. So this what? is this Weez? is um this is Dragon Ball Super. This Dragon Ball Super. I didn't watch that. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you Weez. There is you are. Oh, there's a lot of weird coding in this goddamn. No, I'm telling you. Weiss I'm telling you. Weiss is a drag queen. Weiss is a drag queen. Straight he up. Is, he is a drag queen. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, done. I'm going to show you. Please, please, please. I'm going to show you Weiss, and you're going to be like, oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, just, just with less, like, brolic makeup. This man right here. Well, this this Not person. the RuPaul of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, look. Might as well be. Come oh on. my god, yes. That is a drag queen. Come on now. That is an intergalactic <laughs> drag queen. <laughs> intergalactic drag queen. They're so ambiguous. What the hair? That's like, that's like yeah. Chris Tucker in the fifth element. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I just rewatched the fifth and, element the other day. Oh, that's my shit. So good. That's my it's shit. so ah, sorry, top one five. of my favorites. <laughs> Corbin oh Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you know that Prince was yes. supposed to play yes. that shit? Yes. And then, no. and then he was He's like he said, he said, he said the clothes are just no. Yeah, the clothes were incredible. The clothes were incredible. Oh my god! Yes. That's how you know that was. Who's the designer? Is it John Paul Sartre or not? Wait, that's not that 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 that's that movie a, was definitely ahead of his time. Definitely uh, ahead of his time. I uh-huh. love it. Shout to this out to day. Bruce Willis. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Bruce Willis. You know we crying for you, bro. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes he's, my heart hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. really sad. John Paul Gartier. That's what ah, it is. Not the designer. Mm-hmm. I said John Paul Sartre. Yeah, that's the philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I've been uh, reading too much theory. <laughs> but uh, this actually, you know, um, 
as we as we start to land the plane here, this this uh, dovetails nicely into I have two this or that questions for you. Oh, I have a fun okay. question. Uh, I have a couple fun questions too. Oh, you look okay. at them and then you pick which one. There you, you can go. Say. The, <laughs> this is the best dick. interview you ever you gonna ever have. Okay. I don't Honestly. say. I don't. I'm feeling I'm peaking kind of early. Come on now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on no, no, no. now. They're gonna have more mm-hmm. interviews with us when they're making oh, yeah. more plays. There we oh, go. and then, and then it's gonna go on Broadway when Broadway acts right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That last one is fun. The last one? That last one's fun. Really? All right, cool. I, well, I, I mean, fine. I, the last one's fine. Ask the other one? No, it's fine. <laughs> All right. My, uh, let me ask you these two rapid fire questions. Okay, rapid the first fire. one is very easy uh, subs or dubs? Okay. All right. Since you, I wanted to I ask you because you are only, a dub. There's only one it's answer. Hard. Okay, I have to say, I was, I was like hardcore subs mm. for for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. this is the only pure way to watch anime. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is what they intended. But then I saw the work that goes into dubs and like the localization that happens and mm-hmm. like the, you know, adding of like local slang and stuff like that. And also sometimes I like to like do things while I'm watching anime. So you can't be looking at yes, the... Yeah, yes. I see what you're and saying. And so honestly, sometimes if I have time, especially if I'm watching a shorter series, which I love to do, I will watch both. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. it just depends on the mood and like whether or not I'm willing to look at the screen. But I find uh, I, I, it, it depends show to show. You know, I definitely have certain shows that I prefer the subs, but yeah. um, I, think, I appreciate dubs. I think it's, I, I've, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate Japanese voice acting a lot more mm. than I used to growing up. Like I just kind of yeah. took it for granted. Or, and both of them, I think like Attack mm-hmm. on Titan, which is probably the one anime that I'm yes. like fucking finish. amazing. Oh bro. It's so the hard. Like, I've not, forever. Yeah, good. I've not been able to finish it because every episode I'm like sobbing like a baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like war is bad. <laughs> Why Allie, do we do this? <laughs> Ali, I need you to look at me right now. <laughs> right now we in some shit yeah. for Attack on Titan. I you're not you're I not I'm not I haven't made it past season one because I'm like this is too oh, much. It's yeah. too much. I've you're tried not, three oh, times. I know I've tried three times and every time I'm like this is so fucking depressing. It only yeah, but uh, that, yes, that's a, that's, that's, a great, that's a good that's answer. Like the new, Very diplomatic. Yes, I ha- I, yeah, I gotta be. I She's gotta be. A, they're in Harlem. Dipset. <laughs> they're what? What did you say? Dipset. Oh my God! You need a give me a phone. Dipset. Dipset is a is is I, an iconic Harlem rap group. Um, no. my, Why my, am I giving you? My phone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go into your Spotify and, and give oh, you homework. Okay. You live in Harlem. <laughs> You have to be educated. Harlem, now. I do live in Harlem. You will do this. Uh, while he does that, my second question is: it's it's not going to ask you to choose between two things. It's just more of a thinking okay. question. Okay. Uh, Ooh, a thinking question. One Shakespeare play that needs a break, and one that needs more love. Oh Ooh. my god! Ooh. I'm so sick of King Lear. Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wes just Wes's neck just extended. His head is now at the table. <laughs> He's like he looks like Mr. Fantastic. His head is. <laughs> Do you have a pair of Air Force Ones? So no, I don't. <laughs> I got some Reeboks. We gotta, we gotta get them. We gotta get you got, them. If, if you get some, some if you get some Tims as well, you're gonna make this guy oh happy. My God, okay, not but but why Lear? Why would why would you give a break to Lear? I'm just sick of seeing white men uh, yell at, at the rain i don't know like it's just <laughs> like i feel like they keep doing it and it just always feels like a like especially since trump got elected it's uh. like it just feels like a this is what power can do to you and i'm like okay there are other plays yeah um mm. and what was the second part one that needs more love Honestly, Two Gentlemen of Verona. I, I love it, but it's hard because it's got the like two sets of twins. Okay. Um, so I that think that's hard. a logistical 
issue. And it's a huge cast. And yeah. so you need a lot of actors that can't really double. Could they, could they animate um, Shakespeare? Yeah. They like, could if they want I, to. I don't think I ever seen things like that. And with hmm. something... You know, That's like that question. with the two sets of twins, mm-hmm. you can get one voice actor like Regina King yeah. did, you know, Riley <laughs> and Huey. Yes. Moondocks yes. mm-hmm. or something. Yes. To Classic. give two different tones of a character yeah, where they yeah. still sound the same, That's but you know it's question. different. Why don't they do don't more know. animation for animate Shakespeare? Shakespeare? Probably because people still kind of think animation is lowbrow, and yeah. so they would never put animation and yeah. Shakespeare in the same camp, even though, like, we've seen time and again that animation is. A wonderful Incredible. Like Iron Giant. Long. Like, come on. Oh, my God. I mean, Red yeah, Chain. Allie just mentioned Studio Ghibli. Like, all the, you know, all those yes. movies. Princess Mononoke and all that stuff. Mappa. Oh, my God, yes. Ford. Yes. Mapp- um, Mappa, the creative team, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Love them. Anyways, sorry. So, I two like gentlemen. To, I I'll, I would have to think about it. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's the one that comes to mind first. Because yeah. I never see it done. And I think it's hilarious, honestly. Yeah. There's well, a lot so. of like physical comedy, and I feel like that's another thing I would like. We were talking about like what would you preserve from Shakespeare? I think a lot of people put focus on the language, which of course there is, but I think there's like so much physicality, especially in that play, that they're literally running around, and they're getting mistaken for each other, they're slapping each other. Like mm-hmm. I just love that like classic slapstick mm-hmm. dumb <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. It's that funny be such to watch a good, people like, get hurt. Thing. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Looney Tunes, uh, another <laughs> classic. Queer yes. coding. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my yes. Lord. They were zesty. God uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jude, uh, uh, you have you have a who fun would, question. Who would you like to co-write a play with from anybody in history? Oh my gosh, uh, Lorraine Hansberry. Or yeah. okay, yeah, there we go. She's gone before her time. I think she died when she was like thirty-six. Bitch. Oh yeah. my. Good answer. Goodness. Yeah. Good what answer. She got cancer. Damn. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It yeah. always takes the good ones, not the bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. Langston also died of cancer, I think. He was in his 50s, yeah? Mm-hmm. Damn. He died in the 60s. Yeah. Damn, my bullshit grandfather's still alive at 95 years old. Right? Fuck that my nigga. My daddy's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, God. Uh, uh, any, you have one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I. Okay. That question before I even say anything. <laughs> Can you sing? Mm, I love to sing. I don't you know. Love to sing. Okay, okay, so would you want to do voice, <laughs> voice acting uh-huh. or be on Broadway? I'd probably say Broadway. For mm. me, voice acting is fun, but it's never like you know scratch that itch for me. And it, it might be mm. because I had a very short, you know, like I said, I only did it for a few years, mm-hmm. and so it's not like I had this illustrious career or anything. I, I've, I have a very, I have a niche of fans that are very. Very, uh, you know, passionate, yeah. but you know, it's a very niche animes that I've been a part of. Yeah. Um, uh, so I definitely say Broadway. I definitely say Broadway. I okay. love acting. I miss. I miss it so much. I mean, I've got to do a little bit in school, but um, when I came here, I mean, but I miss it. Yeah. So, you, so you've never been invited to a comic con to to speak for? I was invited to one in Luxembourg this year. Wow, and that's I, Germany, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was so cool. They were like, "Let us know if you want a booth," and I was like, "I can't afford to go to Germany, but this is so fucking." <laughs> if y'all were cool. flying me out, exactly. What? It was one of those things. Like, if you make it here, you know, we'll give you the space to do whatever. Oh, that's fire. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. That was my first time, but yeah, it's like I I was in like it's weird. Like my most probably my most popular character of course is like the sexiest one you know like it's it's what's your character let me do some it's it's, um uh briar and fairy tale 
Okay. Which is also oh, probably shit. the most popular I still one I've need ever to see been fairy in. Tale. I still need to see that. It's also another one that's like, you know, I was on episode like 247. So I was like, well, I'm not. Well, we're going to go to 247. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm yeah, not watching all that. Uh, <laughs> but I watched my episodes. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Damn. Oh. Yes. She. Yes. Uh, no, but look fuck. at her full body. She's. It's, it's, a, it's a very Nicki Minaj inspired. Uh, yeah. Meg the Stallion. Yes. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. And people obviously go crazy this character they fucking love her so I mean, much i mean Allie, <laughs> they're like you're briar oh my god I'm Allie, like, yeah. I, I hate to put you on the spot but can you give us a little briar oh my podcast? god wait a minute oh shit years. Uh, i remember seeing a cl- <laughs> <laughs> i remember seeing a, a clip briar of briar and then people out? were like yo this fucking character right here bro oh my god fucking amazing so she's i'm so sorry cool. go ahead no she's so cool she has this magic where she splits into like four different personalities so she has like Angry Briar, sad Briar, loving Briar, mm-hmm. which is like sensual, mm-hmm. and laughing Briar. Give us laughing Briar. <laughs> oh my god, I have such my a bad, funny. I definitely did an anime. Like it's a very classic. Like racist anime. The it's not that. It's the other one. There's another name for it. This name. The, there's a name for this laugh, but that's. We're not looking at you. I'm, I'm so not embarrassed. At you. Well, you can do the angry like, one. Whichever one's easier uh, to do. Well, I'm I mean, at I, I was only. Oh my god, I was only that. You're well, by yourself. Briar was very like. What did her voice sound like? It's seriously been so long, but she's very like. She was very. Oh my god, y'all are so funny. You're all looking away. <laughs> You're so cute. You know what I mean? Well, she like she like talked down here, and it was like very sexy, and like she was like very sarcastic, and like very very monotone kind of. But then when she split, she was like, <laughs> she's like, I'm angry, Briar, and like, I'm loving Briar. And then what was the laughing? Uh, yeah, so the laughing one. It's I'm telling you, it's very anime. Okay, mm. this is the most embarrassing thing I'll do all, all day probably. But it was it was literally like. Ah! Like, you know, very anime. Mm. I'm laughing, Briar. Like, it was very, that was definitely the most, like. That's the most anime shit I've ever heard that's of. That's fine. Yes. Give, it, give it up. Give it up. <laughs> $35 an hour. Just like drink shows. <laughs> Just like drink shows. Yo, let's give it up. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for sexy Briar. <laughs> no, that, was, that was great. If, if I were to go into voice acting, I would love to do, like, an anime. I would love Salud. to be in one. I, it's I love, very fun. I love the concept of, of, of anime and like how how much is it, how much it has grown over mm-hmm, the years and mm-hmm. especially um we don't really cater to a lot of the old anime of course like you mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. do but of course um there are plenty of other shows where people just forget about them and of mm-hmm. course like I mean, now so many shows yeah. so many but now now you know there is it's kicking up where i feel like aside from aside uh, aside from certain shows that are here in america which um you know we have like Grey's anatomy which is still popular and we there's like there are certain trendy shows that we'll always remember Mm -hmm. but anime has hit america like a freight train Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over the over the past few years yeah attack on titan my hero academia you have 
Naruto. Um, Naruto. Yeah. You got one. One Piece one is Piece. One oh Piece going. It will never end. Bonkers. It will never end. One Piece going bonkers, <laughs> but definitely like the world will end before One Piece ends. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I feel like a lot of people are definitely going to be going into voice acting, especially when you know TikTok is there and folks are mm-hmm. doing these voiceovers. Like uh, vo- it's voice acting is becoming more diverse there. too. They're opening it, it up, and like ever since the pandemic, there's more like remote opportunities. It used to be you have to live in LA or Dallas, or else you'll mm. never do voiceover. Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh shit! Happened, niggas. But now, yeah, now it's like they're a lot more open to um, remote work. So that's that cool. means wow. there's just some more diversity of people. You know, that is yeah. that 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 is def- that that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I feel like um, you know we've done and a a decent job. We're not gonna say we did an amazing job with doing that, but you know with, with it's still it's still growing. It's but a process. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, a process. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so it. it. it Mm-hmm. It was it was um, sort of for for me when I saw that in your in your bio I said oh shit okay well we'll definitely t- um, talk about that because I've I've been wanting to get into that for a question time we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. after, after yeah the show. yeah yeah let's um, talk. we we got to get out of Wesley's house so he can watch Succession uh, yes one of my friends it is King Lear and I'm sick of it I'm so sick of it <laughs> yeah. uh, just die already I want to thank you so much for coming on thank you um, for having yeah. me and, it was a pleasure by the time that you're listening. <laughs> Harlem and Moscow will be out this weekend. We've got three performances, a matinee on Saturday, an evening show, and then another matinee on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Check out the link. We'll uh, post it along with the show notes. Uh, it'll be in Ali's bio as well as on the Harlem and Moscow Instagram page. Uh, mm-hmm. Ali, uh, just real quick, uh, what's something that you hope people take away from seeing the show? Oh, God. Well, that history is complicated. And so many figures we know and love have curated their own image and been curated by the culture and you know the violence of of history really Um, and you know to just look at people as complex and communism is complex and Russia is complex you know it's not um, as one sided as uh, our core curriculum would have us believe Mm, well said, well said. <laughs> Allie Mims, everybody. Allie Mims. Thank you so much. Or Briar from Fairy Tale. <laughs> ah. <laughs>